Welcome everyone to episode 94 of A Play on Nerds. I am Jarman and my co-host is here with me. I'm Steve. I'm the co-host. We're here to co-host the hell out of this. And we once again apologize for our last episode where we had a full episode for you guys where we can review the postman, but that did not happen. But instead, we interviewed a real-life postman, Sean Vanderloo. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview, our fellow podcaster. But this week, we are back with an extra special episode. Isn't that right, Steve? That's right. We knew that we messed up. So because of that, we brought you a very special copycat cinema. In fact, one that we talked about years ago. That's true. And and that is we're going to be talking about Hercules 2014 and The Legend of Hercules 2014. <laughs> it was These were both gems. Absolutely. Just gems. How can you go wrong with Hercules? You can. <laughs> uh, you can. They did. Both in different and interesting ways. And I think that's what we're here to discuss. Absolutely. So that's later on in the episode. Uh, but it's been a while. So what the hell have you been up to, Steve? Uh, not too, too much, kind of getting into busy season at work. Uh, and uh, beyond that, we've done a couple fun weekend things. We took a Joyce to a place called Happy Hollow. What's that? Which uh, it's a, like a park and zoo kind of thing with some little kid rides, most of which she's still a little too little for. Uh, but this is the first time we took her where she really responded to the animals. So that was fun. Hmm. That's cute. Yeah, Lemur had a baby that was out, and that was super cute, and she got to interact with a baby. I was like, yes, good. <laughs> but then she was a monkey, and I was like, not quite, but I don't want to confuse you. It's like almost a monkey. It's fine. I was like, it's a rat, like a rat monkey from Madagascar. <laughs> like, that's uh, that's the best I can. But, you know, yeah, it's a monkey. It's a monkey. Okay, good job. It's good you enough, Dan. You don't want to discourage him too much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so what have you been up to? Uh, well, I just, uh, as I said in our last intro, I moved my studio to one location to my home, uh, which is wonderful. It's all set up in a, the best way I could imagine. And I'm, I'm currently in my recording booth recording this episode, which I haven't been able to do before because I couldn't get proper ventilation and all that stuff. And it just, it's wonderful. So I'm really happy. Yeah, breathing and it's important. <laughs> exactly. I used to have a carbon monoxide detector in my booth. And when it went to orange or red, I had to leave the booth because that means I was not getting enough oxygen in the booth. <laughs> so it was dangerous. Uh, but I also saw some Fringe Festival shows. We have an, uh, the Orlando Fringe Festival going on right now, which is um, short plays. Um, there's hundreds of plays going on at one time. And there's a big beer tent in the middle where people have like uh, food carts and stuff like that. Uh, and I saw a random show with Mark Meir, who's the voice of Commander Shepard for Mass Effect. He, oh, okay. Yeah, he, That's he was doing a one-man show of uh, the entire, all eight seasons of The Walking Dead by himself. <laughs> so he played all the characters and he did all eight seasons of The Walking Dead one by one and he took like gulps of water in between each season um, all the spoilers were there he did all the character voices it was just very funny and very silly and he was running all over the stage and <laughs> playing zombies and blowing his own head off and stuff it was very silly and very fun wow that sounds over the top and incredible <laughs> yeah, but sadly like the audience is only like a fourth of the way full I thought it would be the closest selling out, but uh, just not enough fans there for that kind of thing. Just not enough people know, maybe. Exactly. Um, and I did just finish a book called The Killer Who Wasn't Ooh. There. It's a like, kind of murder mystery from the 1950s. Lots of silly voices and stuff, but it's a, kind of a dramedy kind of thing. Um, it's available on Audible. That sounds yeah. fun. So check it out on Audible or Amazon. The Killer Who Wasn't There, narrated by me and written by Bill Breyer. But yeah, that's what's up with me. Lots of shit went on. Oh, cool. <laughs> Well, good. I, does that take us into, into some nerdy news? I think it does. It's time for Nerdy News. So what do you got for us this week? So in order to, to really bring it back, I've got, I came up with a great name. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, this uh, felony is brought to you by the color red and the letter B. <laughs> That's a quite big one. So in Red Hook, which is one of the, the boroughs right outside of New York, 
um, there's this cherry, this like maraschino cherry factory that's been family owned for like almost a hundred years. It's been there. Um, and it's been like a staple of the community for years and years. Mm-hmm. So, um, local apiarists, which are now like a hipster Brooklyn thing that are just everywhere. There's people that have beehives everywhere Lo- uh, around. We're reporting that their bees were making this, uh, red honey. Ooh. So the joke was basically, well, what about the cherry factory? Ha 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 ha. Except for, uh, Eventually, investigators look into it, and sure enough, the bees were coming and getting the juice off the top of the cherries in this one little stretch, this, like, 25-foot stretch where they were outdoors. Mm -hmm. So they found an easy solution. They covered it up. They closed the book on it. Uh, But then, at a later time, more bees, more red honey. So investigators went back out. They searched a little bit more in depth because they had already been out there and wanted to know what they had missed. Uh, and they went into a garage that was sort of off to the side of the building, and they found a uh, a shelf that was on a weird hinge, and they pulled it out and went down and found the largest underground marijuana grow facility ever found <laughs> in, like, Brooklyn. What? I didn't see that story going there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So they busted these, and it's huge, huge underground facility, hundreds of plants, uh, and yeah. Well, how'd that because, all because of the bees? But the the marijuana wasn't making the honey red. But they just were they found it by accident it was, when they're searching for how they're getting yeah. to the cherries. Yeah. On top of that, apparently there had been rumors in the neighborhood for years that there was something going on mm. at this plant, uh, and so it just sort of became this thing where they had the opportunity to dig a little bit deeper, and they did, and they found that. Gotcha. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this felony is brought to you by the color red and the letter B. That was probably your supplier back when you lived in Brooklyn. <laughs> probably. AC's a good guy, though. I wish him well. Oh, hopefully it'll be legal everywhere soon. That's right. <laughs> well, my new story does not have a fun name because I forgot to make one, but it's all about Europa, one of Jupiter's moons, which uh, I think a lot of us know about is covered in ice. It's apparently a 10 to 15 mile thick shell of ice uh, on Europa. Wow, that's incredible. It's huge. But they believe that since it's so thick, it blocks out the radiation and the heat, allowing it to have a full ocean under there that have, could possibly have tons and tons of alien life in there. You know, microbial, but maybe even bigger than microbial. Who knows? Um, wow. The problem is there's no way for us to test the water underneath there for alien life because of the thick, thick shell we, until like hundreds of years in the future when we can go there and drill or something. Um, but... Researchers at the University of Michigan, uh, they just found a way to reevaluate data from NASA's Galileo spacecraft that was there in 1997, way back in the day. Okay. And had some weird data on it, and they researched it now with new technology and found that data meant that there was plumes of water breaking through this um, shell of ice occasionally in different places around Europa. So what they could do is have a flyby and catch one of those plumes and then collect the water and then test it for microbes. Tested for alien life. Okay. So in 2022, they're actually sending the Europa Clipper mission out there, and that's when they can first test the water and see what the hell is under there. And uh, I'm hoping wow, for that's incredible. aquatic fish people is what I'm hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> and then we bring down their wrath upon us. Of course. You discovered us. That's what always you. happens. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's how it goes in almost everything. Exactly. That's what we hope for. So that's my pretty <laughs> new story. Well, that's crazy. That's good news. And also, thanks to you, people. because you got me on Reddit, and that's helping me find more stories and stuff, and it's... I told you, dude. I'm loving Reddit now. Mm-hmm. I'm like 25 years late on this, but, you know... Well, welcome to the community. Yeah. Have you made an account yet? Yeah, I'm like I'm like voting up things and stuff, and I follow up, subscribe to a bunch wow. of things, and it's great. Wow. See? Yeah. You're getting the most Getting now. involved. And Steve that's here right. was on the front page of Reddit for one day. For yeah, I made it to like position seven <laughs> with a picture of a couch eating me. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, it was. Everyone agreed. Everyone agreed that it was hilarious. <laughs> and they were fairly good natured about it, which is good. That's yeah, yeah, most people. Most, most people pe- were good natured about it. Some some people thought I was a woman. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I was wearing because I was I still wore wife beaters at the time under oh, my shirts. Yeah. And so I had that, and everyone thought it was like a sports bra. <laughs> so we're like, well, that poor woman. <laughs> that makes it even more funny. I don't know why. It does. It does. I thought you were a woman. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fuck that couch. 
Good times. Oh, at my little Bill. He's a little Hercules. Show me muscle again. Oh, Hercules, 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 Hercules. So to uh, get us ready for our talk about Hercules and the legend of Hercules, uh, I have gone back to the the far depths of Play on Nerds, and I'm bringing back Five Minute Aficionado. Yeah. Where I'm going to give you a rundown of everything you need to know about Greek mythology to have something to say when Greek mythology comes up. So starting off, where have you gotten your expertise of, of Greek mythology? Probably mostly Wikipedia. <laughs> gotcha. So never did you take There's a class a in of... college or anything on it? Nah. But um, I read the... I, I, I'm going to brag. I read the whole Percy Jackson series. <laughs> uh, and, and there are there are actually a lot of very good factual and story based elements in there that really do inform you who people are and what their positions are and the oh, relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I always encourage it. It's I always try to get the Greek mythology series. class in college, but it was always full every single time. Of I could not get into it. So I don't know shit. Uh, so here we go. So you basically got these three generations, grandparents, parents, and kids, all fighting it out for power. That's really the structure. Mm-hmm. And so the grandparents are called the primordials, and they were the very first. So at the beginning, there was only chaos. Mm. And then came Gaia, which was the Earth, Tartarus, which was the void and the darkness and the underworld, and then Eros, who is love um, and sort of the uh, first embodiment of life mm-hmm. within the Earth. Uh, so you've got the primordials, chaos. So chaos had some kids. Two of them were Nyx and Erebus, uh, which were two of the other first beings, night and darkness. Hmm. They had a bunch of kids. One of which was Hypno, who's the God of sleep, who then had a bunch of kids. And the one that, you know, is Morpheus, Ah. uh, who is actually the God of dreams. And, uh, everybody knows that everybody, not say everybody, I feel cocky. It's common knowledge that Hermes was the uh, messenger between the gods, but Morpheus was the messenger between gods and men because he could speak into their dreams. So that's, uh, so yeah, uh, Nyx, Erebus, had a kid, Hypno, and then Morpheus, who you know. You got it. All right, so so then you got Gaia. Uh, Gaia has a bunch of kids, marries her son Uranus, who's the god of the sky. So this is like the, the parent generation. Right. God of the Sky Uranus, they've got a, they have a bunch of kids, the youngest of which is Kronos. So Uranus eventually becomes a bad a bad leader and a bad ruler. So Gaia and Kronos, her youngest son, uh, conspire together to take him out. And so Gaia leads him into a trap, and then uh, Kronos jumps out with his giant scythe and literally cuts his friggin' balls off. <laughs> what? Yeah. Cuts his own balls He's, off? No, cuts off Uranus's balls. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Blood and semen go spilling everywhere across the land and sea. Where mm-hmm. they land in the sea, they combine with sea foam and created Aphrodite. Mm. Where they landed on the land, it created monsters, the giants, and the furies. Wow. All out of Uranus's balls. <laughs> so right as Uranus is about to pass, he, he foretells to Kronos that his own children are going to b- betray him someday and knock him out of power. So Cronus becomes king of all the all the the gods, the Titans, uh, and marries his sister Rhea. They have a bunch of kids, but then Cronus gets really paranoid and he's afraid they're going to usurp him. So he eats all of them. He eats all of his children. Oh my god! Eats them whole. Swallows them whole. <laughs> uh, so Rhea, his wife, wanting to protect her youngest son Zeus, who you know, mm-hmm. uh, dresses a rock up as a baby and gives it to Cronus instead. So Kronos thinks he's successfully eaten all of his children. Zeus escapes, grows up, sneaks back into his father's court, pretends to be a cupbearer, poisons Kronos, makes him vomit up all of his brothers and sisters, and leads an escape of the Olympians, the gods you know, uh, and then starts the 10-year Titan War between the Olympians and their parents, the Titans. Interesting. So, as we all know, the Olympians come out on top. Most of the Titans are locked away in Tartarus for all eternity. Atlas, who was Kronos' major general, uh, gets sentenced to hold up the heavens for all eternity. Right. He gets special bad punishment. Uh, And only one or two of the Titans were not involved. And they're still friendly. Yeah. I've got a story about one of them in just a minute. Um, So Zeus and his brother Poseidon, his brother uh, Hades, all pull straws to see who gets the sea, the land, and the sky. 
uh, the sea, the, the underworld, and the sky. Uh, so while Hades gets characterized sort of as the devil, he really wasn't. It was just what he drew. Right. Someone had to do it. And in most and in most stories involving Hades, he's not super evil and he's not super out to get everybody. So it's just a funny characterization that's sort of been imposed upon it. It was basically like Christianity later on imposing their thoughts of an underworld person onto them. Right. right the equating. Exactly. So one of those uh, titans that, that didn't get involved was um, Prometheus. So Prometheus stayed out of the Titan Wars, ends up kind of on, kind of still around. Um, and every year there was this day between the gods and mankind where this day of accounting, where all of the, the sacrifices owed the gods were up on that day. So Prometheus helps, helps mankind prepare their offerings. And so he presents these two offerings to the gods, to Zeus and says, which one do you want? So he presents one, which is a cow's stomach that's charred and ugly, but inside of it are all the best cuts of meat, mm-hmm. just all the best stuff in there. And the other is the carcass and the bone uh, with wrapped in glistening fat, so almost inedible, but looks delicious. So, of course, Zeus picks the, the glistening fat one, only to then learn that it's just bones and fat. And he has just declared to mankind that all they have to sacrifice that year is bones and fat. <laughs> so he's pissed. He is so mad and vengeful that he takes fire away from mankind hmm. to spite mankind for, for Prometheus's trick. Prometheus then steals the fire back from Zeus to give it back to mankind. So we always knew he stole the fire, but what I did not know until this time was that he stole it back. Gotcha. Gave it back to mankind, for which, when Zeus caught him, uh, took him, chained him to a giant boulder, and every day a huge eagle comes down and just rips his liver out. Yeah. It grows back. And then every night it grows back because he's immortal. How lovely. Oh, yeah, just great. Then one of the other kind of fun stories I found in all of this. Um, so those are the three generations. Those are the three big ones. Now you have a good story to tell about each generation. Good. Um, so Echo was a mountain nymph, a cave nymph specifically. Uh, and if you didn't know, Zeus loved sleeping with nymphs. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, did he love fooling around with nymphs. My <laughs> word. Uh, well, Hera, his wife, not too stoked about this, as it turns out, uh, came to Mount Olympus on like a, on a secret trip to try to surprise him. So Echo, one of these nymphs that he'd been sleeping with and who kind of was in love with him, he convinces her to, to, to try to butter Hera up and lead her astray and keep Hera off his trail. While he's fooling, while he's fooling around with nymphs, get the old ball and chain off my back. Right, right. That's that's literally his plan for her. <laughs> um, so she does this. Hera finds out, gets so mad that she curses Echo for all time, so that all she can ever say is is repeating the words of others. Uh, and that's where Echo come Echoes come from. Nice. Uh, and then a fun little addendum there. She was actually later on. Uh, Echo was in love with Narcissus, who was so in love with himself. But because she could not say anything to him directly or express herself, uh, she couldn't tell him that he, that she loved him, and he continued to fall deeper and deeper in love with himself. Huh. Yeah, it's dark. It's all <laughs> sadness. Every single one of these stories is ultimately pretty much sad. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Now you know a little bit about Greek mythology, enough to tell a couple stories. And then Hera and uh, is curses uh, the whole story of uh, Hercules, basically. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, there's another generation below it, the demigods, that is just a whole bag of cats I didn't feel like getting into, because we're going to talk about it with Hercules. I love bags of cats. Oh, me too. Back when the world was new, the planet Earth was down on its luck, and everywhere gigantic brutes called titans ran amok. It was a nasty place. There was a mess wherever you stepped. Where chaos reigned and earthquakes and volcanoes never slept. And then along came Zeus. He hurled his thunder bolt. He's out. Locked those suckers in a bomb. Their trap is on his own. Stop chaos in his tracks. And that's the gospel. Time was too tight. And to just relax. So that takes us to our great copycat cinema segment where we are going to compare the 2014 movies Hercules and the Legend of Hercules that were for some reason made in the same year. 
Yeah. Um, one of which, uh, so I will be arguing in the fashion of copycat cinema for The Legend of Hercules with Kellen Lutz because it is the far superior film. And I will be arguing for the easily superior film Hercules with the, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as a titular character. Okay. Well, I'm excited to get into this. So first, let's talk about the similarities between the two films. Yes. They're bo- they're both the same story. <laughs> kind of-ish, but like both of kind them are, of. Are, have nothing to do with Hercules' actual story, <laughs> basically. Yeah, true. Uh, they both were sort of taking, they took this road of um, like a man that became a myth. Right. More than him being legendary himself. Uh, kind of to a point, to a point with both films. Uh, they both have the exact same scene, almost, of Hercules breaking out of chains and swinging around uh, the blocks that they were in to kill people. Yes, that's true. Uh, both have the final battle where one side is blocked by fire at the steps of a castle or a, like a fortress. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's like it's like the exact same shot. That was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Any other similarities you found? No. I mean, they were just so... They're both so good. It's hard. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's like apples and oranges. You know, you don't want to eat either. They're both rotten. <laughs> <laughs> They're both just terrible. Just terrible. Um, all right. So why don't we walk through each film? Sure. All right. So we'll start with uh, with mine because it's so good. <laughs> so Legend of Hercules, you start with. So I, I was watching this film. And I figured Kellen Lutz would be out front and center. But the first 10 minutes of the film, there is no Kellen Lutz. And I got to the point where I was like, did I rent the wrong <laughs> Legend of Hercules movie? <laughs> and I literally fast forwarded to make sure I wasn't going to waste my time. Because you know, <laughs> I was so relieved when I saw Kellen Lutz and went, okay, this is the right one. It's a random guys fighting each other uh, in front of their armies. A random, random invasion. You get the idea that these are their leaders or something, and whoever comes out on top is the winner. You know, just a lot of kind of roundabout stuff. They say their names very quickly, uh, and you say you can't hear what they're saying. So the the king, the, the guy wins, takes the ca- castle, and takes a new bride. Or that's the confusing part is that he was that was already his wife. That's what confused me. Oh, so he didn't get her. Re- yes. Yeah, so the plot gets really complex. Right. The way they shot it and is edited was that it looked like she was already there, and he kind of took her as his new wife. But apparently that was already his wife, and he already had a kid with her. Yeah. But it is, they shot it so poorly that it was hard to understand what was going on. <laughs> it's a fine film that is open to interpretation, <laughs> I think is what we're saying. It's an art piece. So his wife says that she'll never – she just hates him. She despises right. him. And that night, Zeus comes and just, just bangs There's him. There's a really weird lightning sex scene with no – Lightning and air-blowing <laughs> sex scene. So weird. Um, so then she has the baby. She knows it's not the king's. The king's knows it's not his. Uh, doesn't he come in and kill someone in like a jealous rage? It's insane. The whole movie's crazy. <laughs> uh, and then they just cut to like 20 years later. And if he's supposed to be 20, then I'm Abraham Lincoln is what I wrote down. Because <laughs> he's so much older than 20. Yeah. Um, so he's in love with a young woman who is set to be betrothed to his older brother. Who's a prick. Who's a prick, but is also the true blood son of the king, so he prefers him. Especially since the king thinks that he's not he's his And kid. we should comment that Hercules looks like a German fashion model, and he's kind of in brown face. A little <laughs> bit. And he's kind of doing an accent. Well, he's British, right? Kind is of? he a British actor? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he's an American actor. <laughs> well, he certainly did a better job than The Rock at the accent, at least. Yeah, at least he tried. It's true. In my mind's eye, where your face has been etched since the day I first saw you. Um, so he has to... God, I don't even know what happened. He has to leave for some reason. Well, they can tell that uh, she's in love with him. This is so bad. And so they want to send him off so that he's not a distraction for the, the woman to marry uh, his brother. Right. So he goes on a journey. Right before he goes, this old guy who kind of raised him tells him that he's Zeus's son. And he thinks he's crazy, and he leaves for his journey, uh, saying that he'll be back in like three months in time for the wedding. Right. To save her. 
Uh, they're ambushed. His group is ambushed. They get taken as prisoners. And then he ends up, they end up doing like 20 minutes of a gladiator film. It's basically a gladiator Spartacus. Nothing to do with the Hercules legend whatsoever. <laughs> but somehow that's how he, in that is where he gets his name Hercules. Cause before that he's got a different name. Right. Cause this, he finds out right before he leaves that his mother's like, your real name is Hercules. Yeah. So he's trying to hide his actual identity. So he says he uses his name that his mom gave him. So he goes and he fights a bunch of guys and he wins and he fights a bunch of other guys and he wins and there's no real danger because he's the lead. So, you would know, like he's going to win. And in this film, they don't give any explanation of why he's such a good fighter because he they don't ever say that he ever fought up until this point. No, he's just an adult. Suddenly, all of a sudden, he's an adult. And he has fighting experience somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back in Greece, um, they somehow got they got word that Hercules had died. Meanwhile, and so the, the morning is lost. The king's strutting around and happy. Wife has finally had it. Tries to stab him, uh, and then he stabs her and kills Hercules' mom. Yep, um, with a dagger that comes back later. They really brought that one That's around. Really important, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so Hercules and his traveling companion make their way back. They start convincing the other generals and stuff to say, like, "Hey, this guy's a shithead. You should band with us against him. Don't fight for him. Fight against him." Uh, they're getting the towns into uprisings, and the king's getting pissed off. Yeah. Who's this oh, Hercules? <laughs> so finally, they set. They find out who one of his co-conspirators is, captures him, kills his wife, holds his child ransom, and then forces him to give up Hercules. Only then, upon setting the trap, do they realize that Hercules is his long-lost half-brother that he hates. <sighs> so shocking. They drag Hercules in, they tie him up or chain him up, uh, and then he has to watch as, like, the guy who raised him is murdered. And they're about to murder his traveling companion guy, the general, and that's when he calls to the power of Zeus. Father, I believe in you. Run me straight! So okay, we'll get into this, but yes, that's what happens. That's such a the whole the whole movie. Oh my god! Um, so yeah, he pa- breaks free and swings chains around wildly, and somehow doesn't kill people he yeah, loves. Somehow, <laughs> uh, uh, and he escapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes. He raises an army. God, he calls upon his father at like the big confrontation. And he gives him like a, a lightning whip. He literally just drags that back and forth in the air and kills a bunch of enemies willy-nilly. Yeah, the Thor sword whip thing. <laughs> I was like, that's felt yeah, out of place. So finally, he, he thinks he's got the bad guy cornered, but then the sun pops out and he's got the woman he loves. And so she's got the dagger. And so she like makes a decision for him and stabs herself and stabs him behind her. And there's like no consequence to this. Oh, yeah. She just survives. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, maybe she dies. And then this is that's really the painful thing that makes him a tragic hero. And then no, she just made it. There's it almost no like she did die. And then they, they tested it with audiences and like, oh, shit, let's just shoot an extra scene where she survived. Yeah. And so he is now the king. He's got a kid. She's stabbed, but fine, I guess. And they all live happily ever after. Even though originally the guy prophesied that he shouldn't, won't be able to live a life of happiness and love, and he'd have to go about his days. Yeah, but the hell with that guy. The hell with that guy. He's dead now. Who cares? Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> I loved the top trivia for this movie. It says there is not one Greek name among the actors in the entire cast list. <laughs> oh, no. A lot of Scandinavian names. Yeah, and Americans, British, but no Greek. It's very white. I think we can both just say it's very white. And the director, Rennie Harlan, had other hits like Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Die Hard 2, and Cliffhanger. And one of the biggest flops of all time, Cutthroat Island. Ooh. <laughs> this is the same guy who made Cutthroat Island. That was like the, the first modern giant Hollywood bomb. Oh, yeah. And that was his fault, the guy who made this movie. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad he, he kept it up. Uh, the writers had the Conan remake, Halloween Resurrection, and then mm-hmm. other no other credits you've heard of. That's between three of them. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. A $70 million budget, and it only made $61 million worldwide. So it lost $9 million. And a 13% from top critics on Rotten Tomatoes. It's uh, it's a real gem. <laughs> it's real good. The some of the CGI is real fine. 
oh, yeah. we'll find CGI a couple times. Especially those 8-bit flower petals that float <laughs> into the screen. <laughs> well, no, that's another thing that made me um, think that I was watching the wrong movie. I was like, this looks really bad. I thought this was a major film. Boy, was I wrong. So, yeah, gem of a film. Just wonderful. Yeah, so let's talk about your terrible film. <laughs> you mean my wonderful film? No, it's so bad. Shut up. <laughs> So I'm my, not mad I got stuck with just a terrible heaping bull of shit. <laughs> so my Hercules uh, is stars Dwayne the Rock Johnson as uh, the Hercules, and he That's bulked right. up like hell for this movie, like even more so than usual. He was just giant. Oh, yeah. Just a nightmare of a man. Rippling muscles everywhere. Uh, but it kind of starts out uh, I kind of uh, telling the, the typical story of Hercules in like flashbacks, showing that Hera allowed Zeus to make a woman pregnant, uh, and then that creates Hercules. His father was Zeus, the Zeus, king of the gods. His mother, Alcmene, a mortal woman. Together they had a boy, half human, half god. And he's strong even as a baby. He kills two snakes who are trying to kill him. Pretty that Hera sends to kill him, yeah. Right, because Hera's upset about the uh, the pregnancy and all that jazz. Uh, about, about Zeus just sleeping with anyone and anything. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but then you find out that it's actually this is being narrated by one of his merry men and his little like posse of people yeah. who's actually c- captured and trying to scare people in, into believing the story of Hercules being the son of Zeus. So this whole movie kind of takes a bent that it may or may not be true, but it's probably just a story we made up. And so then Hercules comes in with his band of merry men to go save their his apparently his nephew. And uh, they're all pretty badass coming into different styles. There's like an Amazon woman. Yeah, crazy, guy with daggers. Crazy axe and, guy. Yeah, crazy <laughs> then, axe guy. Then like this, the uh, Oracle guy who kind of uses a giant staff to kick people's ass. With blades um, and hooks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's pretty cool. They save him, and you find out they're they're basically paid mercenaries. But um, his nephew spreads all these stories about Hercules being, you know, a demigod. Right. And everyone thinks that he's doing it alone, but really it's this like team of six or seven highly trained people that he's basically collected along the way. Yeah. And so then we get to a situation where a princess comes to visit them and says she she needs their help with her uh, father's kingdom. It's being overrun by this. this bad guy who's got these crazy forces of demons and centaurs that are attacking them. And none of them believe right. that stuff because they know all this stuff is uh, fake about the legends and that kind of thing. Yeah. And the king is John Hurt, who I miss, miss dearly. It's sad we lost Aww, him last yeah, year. yeah, he's gone now. But he was great. Uh, one of his final roles. <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, And throughout, The Rock is occasionally trying his British accent. So good for him. But it, it's really bad. Uh. Yeah, so they go to help the king. He's going to pay them their weight in gold uh, and to basically stop this guy. So Hercules is to train his troops to become better and have a shield wall and gives them better armor so they can fight off this guy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They, eventually, in shape. they eventually succeed. It's a great montage. Yeah, great montage. They first uh, get decimated by this one at one place, but then he, re- he trains them longer. And then they basically take kill them all and capture the leader, Rhesus, I think his name was. Like the Rhesus mm, monkey. That sounds right. And uh, they find out that apparently they were re- rebelling against this king because he's a tyrannical and he's trying to create an empire. So then they switch sides and help them help uh, Rhesus break out of prison and uh, take over the king. And I can't remember how they did that again. <laughs> how, did they, how did they do that? I don't know. It's dumb. It's all stupid. I'm like reading through the synopsis trying to figure out where we are and I can't even remember the movie. <laughs> well, it's so forgettable. Well, they have a big battle and basically uh, the king is coming to a, to kill him at the top of the, the Hera temple. Um, and it's just the, the rock and all his buddies there. Yeah. And he finally believes in himself uh, enough to push over the statue, giant- statue of Hera, basically. Yeah. crushes the king and uh, 
and like wipes out his army and turns the tide and and that makes it enough for them to you know abdicate and he wins the the war and he's remembered as like you know a uh, you know a god figure or demigod because he was able to some all these men saw him you know tip a you know right a giant altar on his own or like a huge piece of stone on his own and you find out that he basically was you know an orphan at birth and he, with this other friend of his, just got into these adventures and became a great fighter and became a mercenary. And there's no real truth to him being an actual demigod, but he's just a you know super strong badass. But right, right. And I kind of like I I liked that aspect. Yeah, me too. It was an interesting. It, take. it sucked. I hate the whole thing. But I I did <laughs> like that aspect. Yes. And it was kind of cool that we first see centaurs with Rhesus's troops, and then they find out it's just a trick of the light, and it actually was just men on horses. And they weren't demons, they were just painted green. Um, and so it's just kind of neat that they thought at first that was what it was all about. But uh, Right, right. Yeah. And the, the hysteria, and that's what the story became. Oh, and even like at the end, or when they're holding him hostage, you know, you think it's the three-headed dog, right. Cerberus. But then it's just three wolves. But you could see how then that story would become... This, yeah, basically a three-headed dog. That he... Right, right. And even the, so just, even the that, Oracle guy some fun keeps like predicting things and he kind of gets them wrong a lot. So, <laughs> so it's not really like he actually has any magical powers either. Right. Um, but I thought it was funny. The, the Rock made $12 million in this movie. Wow. Which is a lot of money. <laughs> uh, directed by Brett Ratner, who did Money Talks, Rush Hour 1, 2, and 3, Red Dragon, and X-Men The Last Stand. And, okay. uh uh, the writers for this film didn't do much before, but afterwards they got a lot of work. Like the, um, one of them wrote Rampage, and then another one did Huntsman and Beauty and the Beast after this. And okay. he's also working on Bright 2 for Netflix. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. And it had a $100 million budget, but made $244 million worldwide. Wow, so that's incredible. Definitely made its money back and has a 63% from top critics on yeah, Rotten not, Tomatoes. Not super great. Not super but great. But not super bad. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's start talking about why why my movie is better than your movie. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so the first reason that my movie is better than your movie is that sometimes the audio got really hard to understand, <laughs> and so I was able to to block it out and transport myself to a better film. So, wow. uh, you know, there were times where, like, the horse noise would get really way too loud, and then suddenly I couldn't understand Kellen Lutz's poor British accent. <laughs> Uh, that just kind of came and went. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why. I think it's because I was able to just drown it out. I was able to ignore the fact I was watching such a bad film. Oh yeah, that's 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 a great thing about. <laughs> that's movie. my that's my first point. I just can't argue that. <laughs> that's right. You wouldn't. You shouldn't. No one should. Uh, well, my first point is uh, <laughs> my movie didn't take it t- itself too seriously and uh, at the same time kept things grounded in reality and out of the supernatural. So that kind of made it easier to go along with and kind of connect with these people because it wasn't all about like monsters and that kind of thing. So it was surprising in that manner. And I kind of like that. It made it more of a. Yeah, and that's that's the aspect I really liked about yours is that you saw how it could be. Oh, yeah, this man became legend through sneaky manners and through storytelling and through yeah you know yes he did some of these things to some extent and that was true back then there's the power of the the spoken word and how these stories would travel and expand like a game of telephone um and it's kind of neat because that really did happen so yeah that's my first point all right so my second point to counter your first point (laughs) is that i liked that my movie ran out of story integrity right in the middle (laughs) You like that, huh? <laughs> like, like split it. Because I was genuinely impressed that even though the movie was not great and the quality was that high, I was kind of proud of them for it. Like, oh, so he became a slave and then became a gladiator and then won all these battles and, you know, would got his reputation that way. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. Um <laughs> and then, and then you know, they kill his dad, and he literally says, "Zeus, I believe in you." And Zeus gives him magic powers, and that's when all the integrity left. The film. <laughs> but it was cool. It was I like I felt because you you just watched it happen. It was nothing subtle. Like you literally saw the moment it occurred, and now it's just in- interesting to you. <laughs> I just think, in a film studies perspective, that I think it's great. Very clear cut. Like, good for those writers for still being able to do that, <laughs> having no shame. Just no shame. <laughs> None. This movie had no shame. Um, yeah. 
So to counter your point, I like that mine ran out of that in the middle. <laughs> so not to kick your horse while it's down, but uh, my second point <laughs> is uh, I had a much better cast of people. Uh, oh, boy. You got you. The Rock. You got John Hurt. You got uh, that one guy from the Man in the High Tower. <laughs> I forgot his name. Yeah, I love that one guy. Uh, and the, the chick who's in Westworld now, uh, she plays the Amazon. And she looks like a kind of badass version of Nicole Kidman, kind of. Oh, yeah. I yeah. can see that. Uh, but just really cool people in different parts. And uh, I love the guy who plays the um, the Oracle dude. I can't think of his name now because I should have written it down. But he's on a lot of things. He was on a few episodes of Game of Thrones as well. Um, oh, yeah, he was. But he's in a lot of stuff and a great voice. Ian, uh, Ian, Ian McShane. McShane. Yeah, he's in um, the Amer- American Gods as well. Great TV show. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. great in that. So, fantastic cast. In the New York movie, we have Kellen Lutz. And no one... <laughs> Shut up. I know who's <laughs> in my movie. Nobody else. I know. So, to counter your second point with my <laughs> third point, uh-huh. my favorite aspect of this film is that they took the actually probably most prestigious and and notable actor and made him a secondary side villain who wore a mask for most of the film. Which guy was that? Jonathan Skech, or Shech. Uh You would know him from, uh, he played Jonah Hex on Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. Uh, he was in That Thing You Do. He's been a working actor with some really good credits for, for years and years. And he was like the evil general who wore a giant like jackal mask. And literally could have been any actor, (laughs) any actor and would have been. But they took him and they hid him. And I think that that shows a lot of credibility. (laughs) Um, And I think it's the hallmark of a very humble film. They didn't need his star power to make this good. No, no, no. Like they, if anything, I think they wanted to maybe blot his star out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Dear God. So for my third point to counter your second point. Jonah Hex from a TV show. (laughs) uh yeah my third point uh i had a much better hercules uh because he's not kellen lutz and also he's the rock who is amazing and also he was huge so you believe that even if he wasn't supernatural this guy could do some amazing feats because he was gigantic whereas kellen lutz i lost him on the screen so many times he looked just like the other guys he was fighting i couldn't even tell when he was there someone else was there and I mean, the only the, time I could tell that he was there was when it was his stunt double who didn't look that much like him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, there he is. Or if he's the only guy who was shirtless. And I was like, okay, at least we know who that is now. But uh, yeah, so I had a much better Hercules in my Hercules film. <laughs> okay, my fourth point oh, to count you got your a fourth third point. point okay. I do now. Uh, <laughs> is that Kellen Lutz broke a very prestigious record with this film. Hmm. In that he now he he took it from Kevin Costner, the worst British accent <laughs> in a major cinematic release. Uh, Ro- uh, Kevin Costner's held it for years for uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but Kellen Lutz took it uh, with The Legend of Hercules. So I think that's my to be noted. My fourth point, I will counter that point by saying The Rocks was worse. So in this moment, on this day. Become the man you were born to be. You have it within yourselves to write your own legends. Let it be to death or victory. Because <laughs> he had one scene where he no. does speech. Where uh, you have a to few let me words have were, were British You accent. have to let me have one thing. <laughs> I'm not asking for a lot. One thing. <laughs> you can have worst British accent. All right. Wait, yes. can we look it up? Fourth Is point. he actually British? Look it up. Yeah he's, from, yeah, he's from North Dakota. I looked it up. Oh, North Dakota. Wow. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it doesn't make it better. No. <laughs> so that's, I think, Hercules versus The Legend of Hercules, unless you have anything you want to add to this. Oh, I wouldn't want to. Um, But please, listeners, let us know who won that battle. <laughs> I think all of my points are valid. <laughs> The Legend of Hercules is difficult to get through. Hercules is a fun, uh, thoughtless movie, but it's, it's fun. I'd, I'd recommend it. But, uh, youch, The Legend of Hercules. (laughs) 
All right, so now for our second bit, uh, we're we're late to the game on this one. We know, right? But I haven't gotten a chance to talk to Jarman about it. We're going to talk about Avengers: Infinity War because it's a big uh, cultural milestone, as I'm sure the final Infinity War film will be. Uh, uh, everyone was talking about it. It's long enough now that if you haven't seen it, uh, you probably don't care about spoilers at this point. But we'll be that, that, we'll that being said, we will throw in the spoilers right tag here. Spoilers, uh, not only so that we can at least say we warned you, but also to make my wife mad. Exactly. That's what we want to do. So win, 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 win. <laughs> right. Um, so what did you think of Infinity War? It was kind of a big, crazy movie. Right. I really enjoyed it. It was actually much better than I expected because I didn't know how they were possibly going to make a cohesive film with enough time for each character with so many damn characters. And I feel they actually pulled it off. I don't think it was. Yeah, there, oh, there were only one or two characters that I feel like got no time. Right. And that's impressive for how many they had to throw on the screen. Exactly. And it's just, uh, it, it wasn't crap. It just astounds me. The fact that it wasn't crap. I'm like, wow, okay. It wasn't, I, don't, I don't think it was amazing, but I really liked uh, Thanos and just his through line, his story. Yeah, I mean, he's honestly the the villain that Marvel has so desperately needed. Right. Like a real villain with a real point of view and an ideology that cannot be shaken. Like that's what Marvel villains have always been about. And you can almost sympathize with and not think he's just inherently evil, like Ronan the Accuser or something like that, who just wants to kill everyone, destroy everyone, annihilate. Um, I, I think they did a good job weaving sort of like the through line of where the the um, Infinity Stones had played a role in the Marvel Universe up to that point. Mm-hmm. And sort of giving you some direction on who had what when. And apparently, if you look back at the films uh, and watch them again, you can tell that they didn't really know where they were going entirely because there's a lot of plot things that don't make a lot of sense, like that Thanos wouldn't have done if he, this was his actual endgame. Um, yeah. But they kind of, you know, make it all work in this film somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I, I really loved it. I thought the Spider-Man was a great throw in and get to see him again in a much bigger role. Oh, he's he's great. Um if anything, I thought my maybe my one criticism was that the the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of clashed and didn't integrate quite as well as I was hoping. They didn't have a lot of time to integrate though. And not only that, the time that they were on screen, it was very much like their funny shtick. Right. Compared to what the world that everyone else was in. So like when they're trying to come up with a plan and then Peter Quill says, like, okay, or we can do my plan so it'll be good. And it just, it was too much a couple times. Well, apparently there's a good reason for that because I think what they said is that, uh, what's his face? The guy who directed Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, yeah. James Gunn. James Gunn actually yeah. came in for those scenes to help with the direction so that each, you know, group felt like a little bit like their own movies. They kind of pulled in the directors from the other films. Um, right. But the Russo brothers were kind of over everything. But uh, that might be why it felt so much a little clashy because it was like that style trying to mix in with the regular other MCU style. And of course we don't have Ant-Man or Hawkeye. Oh, that's true. That being said, they're, they're both obviously going to be brought in on the next story. Right. Hawkeye at the very least. For sure. Get away from his family. <laughs> well, no, it's not even get away from his family. Uh, well, we can talk, I guess it's a good time to break into that. Some of the theories that have kind of come up post infinity war. Um, and it's that, uh, you know, he's going to lose one or two of his kids or maybe his wife and a kid. Oh, and from the Thanos sweep. Right. And so he, that's that's when he gets involved. That makes sense. He's been trying to stay out of it. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are saying at least uh, that they believe that the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man and Wasp will end with either Ant-Man and Pym disappearing or Wasp and Pym disappearing. And then that's why they then get involved. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I think they said basically the Ant Man and Wasp movie is taking place almost concurrently with this stuff going on, or like right before this stuff going on. Right. Um, some other cool fan theories is the uh, the pre snap post snap theory, hmm. which is that everybody who died before the Thanos snap is staying dead. Oh yeah, I believe it. But everybody that died from the snap is maybe trapped somewhere or eligible to come back in some way. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I don't understand people were so devastated by the people who went away from, the, you know, from the snap because 
they obviously are not staying dead because they all have film contracts. At least two of them have are like new major characters that obviously right. have a franchise. So I, to build. I, I, that's one part of the thing I had no like uh, that had no effect on me. I was like, oh, that's really cool effects. That's a nice little scene there with uh, Spider Man and, and Tony Stark, but. They're not dead, obviously, because they have films. And so I was right. wondering why people were crying. And like, I was like, what? Why are you crying? They're not really gone. <laughs> I was like really confused by that. Um, but I and so my favorite theory is that um, this next movie is going to be like five years in the future, six or five or seven years, years in the future where everyone has been living in this new reality where half of everyone's gone. That would be interesting. And then for some reason, due to an imbalance, some people say maybe they're going to bring Gamora back and that will be will be a sign of imbalance to Thanos. He'll come back to rectify it. Mm, maybe. Uh, or they'll, they'll manage to bring people back from the dead. And then that's what brings Thanos back to deal with it. And also it's no coincidence that people have pointed out that it's all the original Avengers that are uh, still alive. Right. So I think that they're all going to maybe, or some of them at least are going to sacrifice themselves in order to get everyone back. Here, here's what I hope it is. I hope that it's like five or seven years in the future. And Tony Stark, after seeing Doctor Strange, has found a way to replicate time travel. Hmm. And so he uses time travel to go back to moments when he knew that the Infinity Stones existed or were available in order to steal them before Thanos could ever get his hands on them. That could be cool. So, like, the Tesseract, uh, he knows, was buried with Steve Rogers. And he knows where 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 he was found. Uh, and at the Battleford, New York, he knows that the Mind Stone was in Loki's scepter. Right. And like th- those sort of things. I mean, that would kind of undo so much, though, if they did that. The Avengers even coming together. Yeah, but at this at this point, they're they're hitting the erase button no matter what. We both said they can't get away with what they did. Right. Yeah, so who knows? They could go that big. Possibly. They, they could hit the reset button. But definitely the actors playing Cap and Iron Man are going to be out of commission. They're going to be gone out of this franchise. See, I, I definitely think Iron Man, I'm not sold on Cap only because the, he didn't play as big of a role in this last one as I thought he would. I think it's by design. He just doesn't like being in this, you know, universe anymore. Yeah, true. But no, I, I thought Thor was a good breakout character in this one. Uh, I like the, like, him, Groot, and Rocket combination. Oh, yeah. And just the badass entrance at that battle in Wakanda. Like, that was just, everyone was clapping in the theater I was in. It was like, yeah! <laughs> it kicks some major ass this new axe. And I thought that the the sort of secret with Gamora and all that that was sort of the the first chapter led to a really nice emotional spot that maybe, I don't think any other Marvel film has hit. Which one? The when he had, when he goes to find the Soul Stone. Oh right, and then and and it's like you have to sacrifice the soul you love, and she laughs because she thinks he's never loved anyone, and the joke is is that she is the only one that he's loved. I know, I really love that scene. That's just, and he still does it, and I was just like, wow, because that was that's subtle, like, that subtle but dark and like great. Like, yes, it was like multi-layered. Right. But yeah, and I think Gamora's going to come back. I think Gamora's up. Yeah, because that actress is not doing anything crazy outside of MCU. Well, not only that, but, um, you know, they, they showed her as like her little girl soul. So she still exists somewhere somehow. Maybe. I Maybe. think so. But we'll see. We'll see. Some crazy stuff. But yeah, Infinity War, if you haven't seen it, I recommend check it out. I think they did a really good job with it. Yeah, absolutely. I was very pleasantly surprised. All right, does that take us to some trailer reviews? Trailer reviews. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low end of the scale, we have Don't Waste a Match. This movie is so bad that I wouldn't waste a single match to burn it. Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. We'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. All right, so our first trailer is going to be the movie Kin, K-I-N. If I'm hard on you, it's because the world is hard. You've seen that. And I just need you to stay out of trouble, okay? Oh, my God. 
brother just got out of prison. I know I've been away for a long time, but I want to make sure that you know that you're important to me. I want you to be careful around him. Welcome home, my man. I know I owe you guys some money. I just wanted you to know I'm not dodging you. Oh. Let him go. The hell is that thing? found it. Somebody's got to be looking for this thing. That thing your brother has in there? You need to call someone. Can't do that. Find him. He's here somewhere. Dangerous people are coming after us. I know I'm not a good guy, but it's been pretty incredible to be brothers for the first time. Whatever you've gotten him into, He's gonna figure it out eventually. I hope you're ready for that. They're coming, man! Go! I can't believe this whole time you haven't told me this. Go, go! Get away from our brother. Maybe keep that thing on the first mode, yeah? Basically, looks like a kind of sci-fi drama thriller kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I guess that's probably the best way to put it. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure what else you would call it. It looks like modern day time and modern day. And uh, Dennis Quaid is this dad who has an adopted son. And then his other older son is, uh, in, it's kind of a screw up and it's a, just getting out of jail. Con, yeah. Fresh out of jail. And uh, so the friend is out of jail and he gets uh, his brother involved in some trouble. The adopted little brother who's like a young teen. But the young teen somehow manages to get into this uh, uh, abandoned factory where apparently these men from the future or aliens have crashed there. and Or these guys who have stolen future tech or something. Yeah, so he finds this gun and gets it to work, this giant alien or future tech gun. And so he goes and saves his brother with the gun by blowing up stuff with it, and it's really scary. Yeah. So, And it just kind of follows along their relationship as they're getting to know each other as brothers and also with this alien or future tech gun. Um, so I, I think it looks really interesting actually. Yeah. Um, I'm honestly not really sure what it's really about. I was in the same thing where I just couldn't quite follow the, I knew who the bad guys were, but I couldn't follow the narrative of who they were. And James Franco plays a bad guy. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. And he plays some sort of gangster bad guy and who the brother's into for money or favors or something. Right. Um, I think it looks interesting. I need another trailer. True. So I'm going to go with, eh, we'll see. Uh, unless the next trailer gets worse, I'm going to give it a book. I think it looks All right, fair entertaining enough. to watch at home or something. looks fun. Uh, and the next one is uh, Predators. Predator? The, the Predator. The Predator. The Predator. <laughs> That's the only Very variation specific. they haven't Dear used God. yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Preds. The, the Preds. Preds. Tell me about the mission. Did you see anything unusual? Like an alien, you mean? He saw something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you men, someone or something tore them to pieces. I think they're attempting hybridization. They're upgrading on every plant they visit. We need to know if you pose a threat. We're assassins. Isn't posing a threat kind of the point? This looks like a follow-on. It starts with a young boy going up into an attic and finding something that was his dad's. I believe that this is going to be a Gary Busey's son's character. Oh. And this will be immediately following Predator 2. You think it's a continuation? In some ways. Mm. Um, so I think that's, yeah, that's his son. And then this, so the scenes that we saw there are going to happen in the past of the movie. But he so somehow that he finds this remote, it causes a ship to activate in space and then crash land a predator ship. Uh, And then they send guys to check it out. And then everything gets really confusing and muddy in this trailer. See, I just thought it was a straight up reboot. I'm not even sure anymore. It wasn't intended to be, but it certainly could be at this point. Right. Because I I just figured it's a whole new story, kind of different uh, kind of predators where now they're apparently 
going plant to plant to like change their DNA and, and you know it, yeah, there's something about DNA splicing, right? Going on, and that might be the division, uh, the two different types of predators that we saw in Predators right. with Adrian Brody. There's a lot going on. I honestly don't know what to think yet. I hate Adrian Brody. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, yes, I know that we can think that together, but um, but I don't know. Like, this one's another we'll see. I would love to be super excited for this film because I love the Predators. I love any chance you get to see more of, like, the Predator culture and that sort of stuff. But I honestly don't know what this movie is. Uh, to me, I think I had a lot of one-liners in the trailer, so I'm always down for a silly action movie with one-liners. So <laughs> For some zingers. So I'm up some popcorn. I'll give it a buck at home. Okay, fair enough. I'll give that to you. So not great reviews this week. But okay. There was a lot of duds out there for trailers, so there was not much to look at. That's true. There was not. It was not a great week. But that will bring us to some radical recommends. recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. Well, this week I am recommending Barry, which is a new show on HBO or HBO Now or HBO Go, which is one of those things you have, or just the, the storks. Uh, but starring Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live fame, um, who is starring in the show as a hitman who gets a job in L.A. to kill an actor who is sleeping with the wife of a Chechenian mob boss. And he follows the actor into an acting class uh, to basically you know, stalk him and figure out his schedule. And he accidentally gets roped into doing a scene. In the- he falls in love with acting. Yes, basically falls in love with acting, <laughs> even though he's horrible. Uh, and Henry Winkler, the Fonz, plays the acting coach, the acting teacher. And now he wants to juggle being an actor and also being trapped in the profession of killing people. And I think it's funny, it's dark and touching at times, and Bill Hader is fantastic, and I think everyone should watch it. It's actually the first season's done. It was like eight episodes, so but it got renewed for a second season. Uh, we've watched a little bit of it. We've been we've been had to be more selective because Joyce is going to bed later. Uh, uh, so we Silicon Valley and like the Handmaid's Tale have been winning out more often than not. Gotcha. I love Silicon Valley too. But we'll get back to Barry at some point. Yeah. Uh, so my radical recommend this week is a book. Oh, I know. Brace yourself, people. Whoa. Uh, and that is uh, a book by Neil Gaiman, the same guy who did American Gods, uh, I believe simply call, called Norse mythology. Hmm. Uh, and it is Neil Gaiman's take on classic Norse mythology's tales sort of um, made to sound nice with a little bit of embellishment and more storytelling to them than would traditionally be. It's a nice, easy read. You get some really cool information about Odin and Thor and Loki and all the crappy things Loki did. Um, and it, it's a very enjoyable read. It's a very quick read. So I, I'd recommend it. If you liked American gods, it's a nice holdover until the next one comes. But out. it's kind of like a straight up history kind of, of, of the mythology or is it a, a narrative sort of, but it's more of a storytelling. Okay. Interesting. Like, I mean, you know, mythology isn't history. So I don't know how to say that. Well, I mean, it's like, there's not a new story. He's just telling the mythology as it was. Right. It's not, but, it's not like know, a fictional. Not all translated up and, and goofy, but like an actual story. Nice. Very yeah. nice. He's always a great writer. But yeah. So that that's my radical recommend for the week. A book. Read a book, motherfucker. A book. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. <laughs> a book. Well, books was one of our most popular episodes. That's true. For some reason. Uh, so for a thank you segment, we had one last week uh, where uh, listener Daniel Hitch had made a comment on our episode previous to that, uh, but that whole yes. recording was lost. But we also congratulated him on that episode for his new baby, which is probably three years old by now. Um, yeah, it's probably six, <laughs> six or seven. So congrats entering college. to one of our longtime listeners, Daniel Hitch, for your, your new addition to your family. Congrats on that. Yeah. The best and most exhausting thing you've ever done. <laughs> So I think that's uh wraps it up for episode 94 of a play on nerds. That's right. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, cuz we sure as hell did. Hell yeah. But thanks for joining us. We're glad to be back in action. We're going to keep bringing it back to you. Uh, keep coming back, being our nerdy audience. We'll keep coming back and being your nerdy hosts. Thanks again, internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to a play on nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com.
www.thepowerhouse.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. Is it Morpheus or Orpheus? Uh, Morpheus. Wasn't there I think an it's or- Morpheus. Wasn't there an Orpheus too? Making you doubt yourself. I hate you. <laughs> right in the middle of your aficionado. No, Morpheus is the Greco-Roman mythology, one of the sons of Hypnos. I know there's an Orpheus, too. I don't know who the fuck I that don't is. care about who Orpheus is. Morpheus. I was right. Shut up. Do you take the red pill or the blue pill? Okay. I don't care. Whichever one makes Jarman stop doubting me. You got it. Yes. Where'd you go? Oh, shit. Um, hold on one second. The dog sitter's here. Bark, bark, bark. But that will bring us to some radical recommends. It does bring us to some radical recommends, which I totally forgot. (laughs) 